I'm here. Hey, it's a Tuesday night. Two for Tuesday. I don't have two of anything to give you, though. It's just one of me and so many of you. But uh, we'll see how we can make do. March 7th, 2023. A greetings to you all. Greetings to all of our friends on QuiteFrankly.tv who are watching live right now for the beginning of this pre-show. And hello to everybody on YouTube and Rumble and Twitch and DLive and Theta and Rockfin and beyond. Not to mention our early morning warriors who are tuned into WHYU FM 89.1 somewhere in the West Virginia, Maryland area. I still have not gotten one email from anybody who listens at that time in the morning and, li- and has, has caught the show. Uh, maybe they don't have email. Good for them. Because to be honest, email is useless now. It's becoming more and more useless. But welcome to the show. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we have recovered an entire second half. Uh, the, it, there is a little bit of a moving around of the schedule for the studio work I was doing with the guys in the band. Who you're listening to right now. This is our 2000, one of our 2017 releases. And I got all of that together. We're going to be doing some other stuff. And now we have recovered a second half, which is very important because I've got Brandon Strock coming on. I want to talk about this Tucker Carlson stuff that is obviously garnering a lot of attention. You might have seen a lot of things. Uh, you might have been holding out to see what we were going to talk about tonight. I know many of you do that at this point. So we'll read through some things. We'll read through Julie Kelly's uh, summary of what was shown to everybody last night. There's more coming out tonight. And uh, it's a very ugly confirmation for what we already know based on how often we are lied to and how often things that are presented to us as very important and earth-rattling is really the opposite. And it's just a very Machiavellian-pointed operation that is that only goes in one direction. And, and guess what? There's a unified front. The two parties, you have Turkey Neck, you have the Gobbler, you have uh, Mitch McConnell, the Turtle-Faced Turkey, chimera hybrid creature has come forward and he's locking arms with uh, count dracula chuck schumer my uh, my one of my representatives to the senate over here in new york he represents me don't you know well they think that this is egregious what tucker carlson has done and so the second half of the show is going to be all media res- response to this so far so we can laugh together cry together and and scream into the void together but for now, I just want to get into uh, into everything else, and and that's it. We have a pretty open next couple of days, and from my writing tonight and getting some thoughts together tonight, I had other things that I want to talk about in the coming days. Now, other things I want to talk about in the coming days. I thought, you know, who I thought about a lot tonight uh, as I was writing and putting all this stuff together was Bonacera, Bonacera, from The Godfather. The opening. I brought him up on this show maybe right after the new year or maybe right before the new year. And I discussed some some over overarching themes in The Godfather as far as what it meant about American ideals and 
and how those ideals uh, have fallen flat for some people and where we go to get the justice that we thought the system was always going to give us. And I think that there is a great, great conversation to be had about that because it's not necessarily about vigilanteism, but we're talking a lot about parallel economies these days. How do we take ourselves out of the Hollywood economy and and double down and enjoy and and invest in really good storytelling again? How do we how do we uh, create a parallel economy, a parallel universe for those who want to have authentic human educations? We've been talking about all these things. We had a little bit of a conversation about the parallel economy for an actual dollar. You know, what do we, is it all, what, what is the actual thing that we do to get ourselves, because is it crypto? How compromised is that? How universal is it going to be? Um, so the real other question that we haven't really talked about is what's the parallel economy for justice? Especially when we have two warring ideologies where there is a split. There's a split in the way that people view reality. And that split has created multiple bubbles, a multiverse that's all trying to occupy and compete for the same space. And only one judicial system that can serve one side of it all. That's a very dangerous thing. Then how do you create something outside of that? Because for a judicial system to have any kind of weight, it would have to be have some kind of a centralized, agreed-upon authority. They would have to be a neutral arbiter for all parties. That's not the case. So either way, what we talk about tonight is going to be about playing to the court of public opinion and trying to bring people, at least mentally, into the fold of what is really happening around us and what we have been, what, what, what's been built up around us, what we find ourselves mired inside of. It's, uh, I'm sorry for ending so many sentences and prepositions, but geez, it's a real serious situation. So let's get right into it because Brandon Srock is going to be on with us at 7.20, around 7.20, 7.25, and we only have him for about 20 minutes. So I have to get some, some questions in and, and, uh, and we'll do that. Yes, we will. All right. So first things up, let's just jump right into Julie Kelly. This is the, the big story and it's where we're going to be for the next for the next two hours hold on a second and away we go here it is this is from am greatness american greatness amgreatness.com doing a lot of things real quick here all right secret surveillance video dismantles january 6th narrative writes Julie Kelly. Fox News host Tucker Carlson aired the first set of previously unseen surveillance video captured by Capitol Police, security cameras on January 6, 2021, that undermines several aspects of the reigning narrative about what happened that day. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy last month gave Carlson's team unfettered access to 41,000 hours of footage the government kept hidden from the American public and individuals charged in the Justice Department's unprecedented and ongoing investigation into the events of January 6th. That's the most egregious thing, because that you would think that in a, in a, um, a courtroom situation where you're there defending your life against the government, no less, you would want to make sure that that is all part of a, a discovery process, and they withheld all of that 
I mean, how how is that not a mistrial in itself? Because it wasn't justice. Let's see, 41 of uh, uh, the individuals charged, blah, blah. Capitol Police and Justice Department designated the recordings as highly sensitive materials in March 2021. The trove remains under tight protective orders and defendants must agree to strict rules before gaining access to clips entered as evidence against them. Capitol Police turned over to the FBI roughly 14,000 hours of, pull, of video covering the hours of noon and eight uh, between noon and 8 p.m. on January 6th, but the full 24-hour reel has been in the hands of House Democrats for two years, reportedly the footage that Carlson's team was authorized to view. Carlson exposed falsehoods that bolster key animating aspects of January 6th, including the movements of Jacob Chansley, the activity of still uncharged agitator Ray Epps, the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, alleged uh, reconnaissance tours conducted by House Republicans the day before, the escape of Senator Josh Hawley and the overall deceptiveness of the January 6th Select Committee. Quote, taken as a whole, the video record does not support the claim that January 6th was an insurrection, Carlson explained. In fact, it demolishes that claim, and that's exactly why Democrat Party and its allies in the media prevented you from seeing it. At least nine police officers escorted Jacob Chansley, that's the so-called QAnon shaman, throughout the building that afternoon. Some even opened doors so Chansley could access rooms inside of the Capitol. Chansley was recorded inside the Senate chambers where he had led a prayer and thanked law enforcement. Here you go. Here's a little bit of that. We have a little. We have about 18 minutes before we get on with... Uh, so let's just really watch all these clips. They're only about a minute and a half each. Here's the first one dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances it's... and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. I mean, if you're in podcast land, you have to you have to imagine this. He's walking through hallways that are sometimes completely lined with police officers. All right, he's he's sometimes walking alone down long stretches of hallway that are lined wall to wall with police officers, as if he's a dignitary from as as if he's a dignitary. But all you have seen of him is him screaming into the void on the steps of the Capitol. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us into the building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th. The industry. 
so there you go. There's, there's a little bit there. I told you the short clips. That's why I think we can get through most of it, if not all. American Greatness first reported Chansley's peaceful interaction with Capitol Police officers in May of 21. Chansley spent more than 300 days in solitary confinement conditions under court-ordered pretrial detention before finally accepting an offer to plead guilty to the nonviolent offense of obstruction of an official proceeding. 300 days of torture. That, that, that is what solitary confinement is. 300 days of torture. Uh, in announcing his sentence in November 2021, U.S. District, uh, uh, District Court Judge Royce Lamberth described Chansley, a Navy veteran with no criminal record and a history of mental disorders, as the epitome of January 6th and insisted his conduct was horrific. Chansley was not charged with a violent crime, by the way. He is currently serving a 41-month prison term. American Greatness has also covered the lies about what happened to Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. First raised doubts about the account of his death as early as February 21. The media, Justice Department, when I say 21, I meant the year 2021. Justice Department leading Democrats in the January 6th Select Committee claimed Sicknick died as a result of scuffles with protesters that afternoon. But Carlson played a never-before-seen video of Sicknick walking around the inside of the building after the alleged attack when he appears to be healthy. A man from New Jersey, Julian uh, Cater, pleaded guilty to spraying Sicknick with pepper spray after spending 18 months in the D.C. Gulag. He was sentenced to six years in prison. Here's a little bit of that. And several police officers in the meantime. But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life matter, including how he died. To this day, media accounts describe Sicknick as someone who was, quote, slain on January 6th. The video we reviewed proves that is a lie. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie that Democrats have told us about January 6th. And it was indeed a lie. The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol. Yes. Uh, continuing on with the, the story here, infamous provocateur Ray Epps contrary to his sworn testimony, remained on restricted grounds for at least 30 minutes past the time he told the committee that he had left the scene. Quote, we do know he lied to investigators, Carlson said. Epps accompanied a group of protesters who first breached the exterior boundary of the Capitol on the west side before 1 p.m. on January 6th. The new surveillance video proves he stayed on what is considered a restricted area for nearly two hours. Here's that. You go into the Capitol! Under public pressure, the January 6th committee finally interviewed Ray Epps. Epps told the committee that he never entered the Capitol and therefore never committed a crime. His text messages showed that at 2.12 p.m., he boasted to his nephew that he had, quote, orchestrated the protests at the Capitol. He admitted he helped get people there. Yet, curiously, congressional Democrats consider Ray Epps an ally, not an insurrectionist. Tonight we can tell you that at the very least, Ray Epps lied in his sworn testimony to the January 6th committee. Epps testified that when he sent the text messages to his nephew, he had already left the Capitol grounds to return to his hotel room. 
That is not true. The surveillance footage we found shows that, in fact, Ray Epps remained at the Capitol for at least another half an hour. You're seeing that on your screen now. What was Epps doing there? We can't say. But we do know that he lied to investigators. The January 6th committee likely knew this, too. Democrats had access to the same tape, yet they defended Ray Epps. I wonder why. I wonder why. It's just so also curious. I mean, going back to even the um, the, the the Brian Sicknick thing. I mean, it, well, well, hold on. I, I, I want to get ahead of myself. We have very little, limited time because we have a guest coming on early tonight. In fact, I'm going to forego the... Do I really do this? Do I let it go? No. Now I'm going to read through the rest of this, and then we're going to go right on into the the intro. During one televised hearing, the January 6th Select Committee aired a very brief clip of Josh Hawley leaving the Senate chambers. Video designed to show Hawley was fearful of the alleged insurrectionists after raising his fist in support of the crowd prior to the start of the joint session. Journalists and those in attendance in July 22nd hearing, July of 2022 hearing, laughed in response. That famous clip is a sham, edited deceptively by the January 6th committee. Carlson said, the clip was propaganda, not evidence. Carlson explained, the full recording shows numerous lawmakers being ushered out of the building by Capitol Police. Here's a little bit more of that. When the committee wasn't accusing Republican office holders of planning riots on January 6th, it was accusing them of running away from those riots like cowards. In the case of Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, the committee and their allies accused him of both. Josh Hawley is a To prove that Josh Hawley was a coward, the committee released video of him loping out of the building on the afternoon of January 6th with a police escort. The tape became a staple on social media. Democrats laughed with derision. Later that day, Senator Hawley fled. After those protesters he helped to rile up stormed the Capitol. See for yourself. Aren't they fucking disgusting pigs? Every last one of them? Aren't they just just disgusting pigs? But in fact, the surveillance footage we reviewed shows that famous clip was a sham edited deceptively by the January 6th committee. The clip was propaganda, not evidence. The actual videotape shows that Hawley was one of many lawmakers being ushered out of the building by Capitol Hill police officers. And in fact, Hawley was at the back of the pack. The coward tape was a lie, one of many from the January 6th committee. And as American Greatness reported in May of 2022, accusations about the reconnaissance tours by House Republicans on January 5th, 2021 are also false. The surveillance video we received show this story is a lie. Well, since the War of 1812. At one point, the January 6th committee publicly accused Republican Congressman Barry Laudermilk of Georgia of leading a reconnaissance mission through the Capitol building the day before. They were looking for some member of Congress that was involved in all this. The surveillance tape that we reviewed shows this story is a lie, and the Democrats on the committee knew it was a lie when they told it. The so-called reconnaissance mission Democrats alleged was nothing more than Congressman Laudermilk giving a guided tour to his constituents from Georgia, none of whom were, quote, insurrectionists. Laudermilk didn't even take the group inside the Capitol building. They walked through a congressional office building down this <laughs> reconnaissance mission. This is like the kind of drama that you drum up in, in your neighborhood when you're, when you're a child and you're, you're playing uh, army, you know, 
back then when in fifth, fifth, sixth grade or something, we were all pretending that we were on recon missions in Forrest Gump in Vietnam. That's what we were, were pretending we were doing. It's just incredible how they just went, but they're all children. They're all children. Here's the last of it. Additional video also showed protesters walking throughout the building and even picking up items on the floor while acknowledging small percentage were hooligans. Carlson aired unseen video of individuals respecting police and rope lines, but the overall majority weren't. They were peaceful and orderly and meek. They were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. And uh, they literally had their tickets punched. They literally had tickets punched. Well, not literally, but they were opened up. The doors opened up. They had to be opened up because, like I said, they're magnetically sealed. They're let on in. You can say that a fist bump is a ticket punch. So figuratively had their tickets punched. Reporting. With that, here's the video. It doesn't answer every question from January 6th. Far from it. Well, that's six minutes long, this one. Doesn't matter. We have a great guest coming up. And there's more, uh, more of this coming out tonight. And I have a lot of thoughts that I want to give on everything we had already seen, too. But um, I'm managing the clock, and it's, uh, it's winding down. So we will be right back. Please, we have a lot to do tonight, and I want to get you guys and gals involved as much as possible. By the end of it all, we have a full two hours, and if you can please share the show, help syndicate the show tonight. Go on Twitter or Getter or uh, you know Truth or Telegram, wherever it is, wherever you follow, quite frankly, and retweet and get on out all of the live links because I put them on out there welcoming everybody in tonight. So we'll be right back with Brendan Strzok and, and a lot more. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! It's the opinion of the entire staff that Dexter is criminally insane. Same, 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 same. Yeah. Love this. See it. That boy needs therapy. Psychosomatic. That boy needs therapy. I'm going to need therapy by the end of this week. You're crazy in the coconut. So what do we have? There's so much more I wanted to bring up, and I think that the, uh, the, the, the clips that we have for the second half will round all this out very nicely. But uh, in the next four to six minutes that I have, I think sometime around 7.20 or so is when we have Brandon uh, coming on with us. Just to talk about this, that, or the other.
But um, hell, I mean, you you could punch a police officer in the face in New York City, and they'll give you Mets tickets and twenty five thousand dollars cash. So you think about all the stuff that they put on out there with the, the the police officers, and still, still, most of their body count that they put out there to make them not seem like the aggressors, as if the the only ones who committed murder, you know that there are other people other than the Capitol Police who committed murder on that day, all right? They're the only ones who murdered people that day. And, uh, and, and to be able to not be losing, you know, when they throw their scores up and they body count, they need to make sure that they lost so many other people. They lost five police officers that day. Um, one died the next day of a stroke, and as you can see, was fine by day's end over here. And uh, again, this I during 2020 I really even I couldn't stand even saying George Floyd's name because I can't stand how how intimate they try to make everybody intimately involved they try to make everybody in the country with one man or one woman especially when it comes to something as intimate as death you know to 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 throw this guy's name around anybody's name around in a uh, in this volley of political crossfire makes me feel very uncomfortable very very uncomfortable but when you see how when you see how it's, they're, they're being used yeah I mean you have to you have to be able to face it at some point they go and take the guy's ashes and put it right in the in the middle of a uh, a public viewing and and no mention whatsoever of uh, of the other four deaths and we'll talk about those in the second half but it was a complete setup, as we know. I like the confirmation. Confirmation is always good. It's good for the, the, the psyche. That's really it. You say, well, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. I don't want to hear but for, I don't want to hear anything from the nothing's going to happen people tonight. We will have a little bit of time on that tomorrow when we talk about parallel economy for justice. But it was a complete setup. Uh, you have these minor infractions that were, were committed especially compared to the lawlessness and the terrorism that was not only excused but uh, tacitly enabled all throughout the summer of 2020. But you had the setup, the setup for minor infractions that could later be over-exaggerated, which is a really good, um, that, that's a good strategy if you think about it. Low risk, high reward. A couple of windows are broken, you could turn it into the next American Civil War that we barely survived, uh, that democracy survived by the dangling thread afterwards. It was bullshit. They turned it. They turned a molehill into a mountain, and then, and then afterwards, wh- what do we have? Another instance of crisis in Leviathan, where something happens. There's a government response, and then we're never the same again. Whenever they pull that back, whenever the high tide is rolled back and all the barricades down at uh, Washington D.C. go away and all that, what are we left with? We're left with a new war on terror and other things like it. You know, all all in order to suppress an organic civic movement. Because I won't call it political, because it it crossed it crossed party lines. What was going on with the the election in 2020, Donald Trump and all of that stuff? It was it was a movement that was suddenly and very vocally demanding accountability for sham elections, for lockdowns that was that was based on complete fake science, pseudoscience lockdowns, and the complacency of the judicial system, and on top of that, the complicity of the media. That's what all of those demonstrations were about when a million people went down there in January of 2021. 
okay? And the, and the media, it's not just they, they get it wrong or they read their scripts. They're acting militaristically. Psychological warfare is the most insidious of all acts of war that you can run. You know, to silently antagonize people into fighting each other constantly, to confuse everyone so thoroughly that it's impossible to even diagnose problems anymore, let alone solve them, that's a, that's a serious situation. It really is. And, and what has happened, to, what, what's happened there? To think of everything else that came after January 6th when the barricades went down, the shaming, the widespread censorship, including that of a sitting president, the torture of American citizens you just heard right there, the, the Q shaman alone, and he's the most famous out of all of them. There's people's names that we don't know who have been in solitary confinement for probably more than 300 days. It can, they're continuing to hunt for people, too. That has not stopped just because Tucker Carlson put these clips out there. That hasn't stopped. Nothing has changed. The torture of American citizens, the suspension of constitutional rights. We had judges ordering detained Americans to essentially renounce Donald Trump in order to get reduced sentencing for already minor infractions. We've read about those stories before. Getting people to politically renounce movements and people in or, as a bargaining chip for, I mean, it's incredible. And again, and again, like I said, I was getting to before, what it all, there's so many different layers to this crime and so many different reasons and ways that it's been applied to American life, but it all led to that eerie, eerie inauguration with no one there except all the American flags in the lawn because the entire, the entire campus was locked down. No one was there except the owners of the country club. No one except the owners of the country club. In the end, it was the established order. Both parties, the woke generals, the Supreme Court justices who did nothing, ushering in, it was almost like we were in the delivery room and they ushered in the stillborn Joe Biden into his new post. The eeriest fucking day. The eeriest day. And and that's what and that's what this gave us ultimately. And there's so much more. I don't know why anybody needs to watch uh Jack Ryan series anymore. That's like, you know, I have to sp- I have to suspend disbelief when I sit down and I watch Jack Ryan or something with Lauren for different reasons than I ever had to suspend disbelief for watching a fictional series. Only because whatever they can cook up as far as a geopolitical theory, uh, a, th- a thriller goes with Jack Ryan or House of Cards, it's nothing compared to what we have lived through in the last six or seven years alone. Just the last six or seven years alone, nothing compares. And we're in the middle of it. If you understand what we're living through, then when you sit down to watch a House of Cards or something, you need to suspend disbelief in a different way. You have, to, you have to make it as though your world is a little bit more sane and this is the absurdity that you're watching on television, but it's not. It's actually tame. It's actually tame. And, um, and, with, that, and with that, I want to bring on a good friend of mine, good friend of the show. We've been hanging out for a long, long time now. He's been doing very important things, and I know that this news and these developments are definitely, um, are definitely making impacts in his world. Uh, in big ways. Brandon Strock, the walk away movement. What's going on, Brandon? 
Hey, Frank, how's it going? It's going well. It's so great to see you again. And uh, last time we spoke, you were just, I think you were counting down the last hours of your house arrest. And, uh, and, and, and here we are. And uh, you know what? I watched a little bit of that of that horrible Twitter space last night. I want to give you a few minutes without any interruption just to get some thoughts out about what is being shown, what is being confirmed on Tucker Carlson. Uh, it affected you very personally and your work. So um, go ahead. Dump all your thoughts on us. Sure. Um, first of all, I'm in, a, a, of all places, I'm in Washington, D.C. right now in a hotel. And uh, is my... Am I getting pretty good uh, signal? You sound great, yeah. Okay, cool. It's, you know, hotel Wi-Fi. So. No doubt. Um, uh, okay, so, um, you know, it's a weird question. Look, from my perspective, like how uh, the impact that the footage had on me or what I saw on uh, uh, Tucker, it, it was nothing I didn't already know. And it was nothing that I haven't been shouting from the rooftops for over a year now trying to get people to know and to understand. Um, I'm just really happy that, you know, finally people are starting to see that there's another side to actually, there's actually many other sides to this. And um, I'm a little surprised that some people are surprised. Um, but I, I mean, ultimately I'm glad it's happening. I mean, th that's the whole thing. And I guess one more thing I'll say about it is that I don't understand like why people anyone on either side of the aisle is struggling to kind of accept what this means because i see people on the left going crazy and freaking out and they're all going oh you know we saw with our own eyes we saw what happened we saw well you know no crap we all saw that but it, the, the point of, the footage isn't to negate the things that happened that were violent or destructive we know that that happened but the point here is that you know, the DOJ has been puffing their chest out and being like, oh, we've gotten all these convictions and we've arrested all of these people. And they've intentionally made it seem like every person that they arrested and charged was somehow a part of an insurrection. And what they accidentally forgot to mention to anybody is that the vast majority of people are nonviolent, non-destructive people who were standing somewhere where they weren't allowed to stand. And which, by the way, if it were any other day and any other group of people, they wouldn't even have bothered charging those people with trespassing. No, you know, but yeah. I think that's what's kind of coming out. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and you, you went over your entire situation, the plea deal and everything. I would encourage people to go back and watch the last episode that Brandon was on for that. But, you know, Brandon, when, when you and I first met and we started talking, uh, it, it might have been back in 2018 or something around there, you came on the show to tell your story for the first time, and you said the thing that started you off was the media's consistent lying about Donald Trump, making fun specifically of disabled reporters. That you actually, when right. you actually saw the indisputable, the, 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 how it's just so easily disproven, the claim that he was always, uh, you know, out there making fun of the disabled, you began to wonder what the hell everyone, you know, everyone else was willing to lie about. And here we are six years later, Russia collusion, General Flynn, two impeachments, the Ukraine phone call, COVID origins, suppre uh, suppressed treatments, the science behind social uh, distancing. Is it even a question as to whether we were lied to about January 6th? And 
the election that was standing behind it. The reason why a million people were in that city that day protesting. I mean, is it who do you trust at this point? Seriously. Uh, I don't know what the answer is to the question, who do we trust, uh, you know, at this point, but, you know, is, I mean, so I I don't know that we'll ever know for sure what happened in 2020, uh, you know, and honestly, they should have just done the forensic audit of the vote, which is what we all wanted. I mean, that's what the whole entire thing was about. But yeah, you've got, I mean, the most blatantly corrupt and the most blatantly dishonest people in the entire world basically you know flipping you the middle finger and saying yeah no there's nothing to see here joe biden got 81 million votes don't question it don't you know don't you dare uh in any way shape or form suggest that this is anything other than you know genuine and authentic and we're going uh well that's no i mean we can't do that because number one elections matter but number two you're the same people who have spent this entire year uh, telling us that the BLM protests are you know peaceful and loving and amazing while we actually watched the fires burning and watched people being beaten and watched people being killed and watched stores being looted and you know and I it's we watched all of that corruption and all of that violence and all of that cover-up and all of that gaslighting and then the same people are telling us uh, that there's nothing to see here with the election and then those same people, are saying that January 6th is a violent insurrection and an attempt to overthrow the government. Um, so I, as far as I'm concerned at this point, you know, the left-wing media, I, you know, we used to say that they, you know, were activist journalists or that they would cover up for, and propagandists for the Democratic Party. But I mean, it's much worse at this point. I mean, I think that after what I've been through and what I've witnessed with so many other people, I, the left-wing media at this point, almost sees them as a prosecut- themselves as a prosecutorial arm. I think of the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the the Democratic Party. I mean, Frank, I can tell you in my case, here's just one example, and this is going to blow your mind. Um, and I'm happy as soon as this is over to email you uh, the receipts on what I'm about to tell you, but. Um, I decided to take a misdemeanor plea deal in my case. Uh, The government initially came at me with two felonies and a misdemeanor, and they threatened me with a third felony, uh, one that they're arbitrarily applying to a number of J6 defendants. Nobody knows why or how they pick or choose, but it's called uh, obstruction of Congress, a felony charge that they've never used in this way before. It carries a potential 20-year sentence in prison. Um, and it's been an, an amazingly effective tool uh, that they've used to tr- to coerce people into taking plea deals. And um, in my case, I took a misdemeanor plea deal. Um, and it was, uh, I think, the month of October 2021, the night before my plea hearing. I mean, this is now 10 months after my arrest, 10 excruciating months getting to the point of uh, my plea hearing. Uh, which I didn't feel good about, by the way. Some people might be like, oh, misdemeanor, who cares? Um, Trust me, a lot of baggage came along with that misdemeanor that was soul-crushing. I mean, I went into a very, very deep depression uh, about making the decision to accept that plea deal. Uh, But when we finally got to the plea hearing in October of 2021, um, the night before my plea hearing, the prosecutor in my case reached out to my attorney and said, what is this? And she she forwarded us an email that a, a reporter from CNN had sent to her. 
And essentially, this reporter from CNN reached out and said, we know that tomorrow's Mr. Strzok's plea hearing where, you know, the government's offering him a misdemeanor plea deal. But we have good reason to believe that Mr. Strzok is planning to plead guilty to a misdemeanor tomorrow, but he doesn't actually believe that he's guilty. Does this make the Does this make the government want to rethink offering him a plea deal? What the night the night before my plea hearing, CNN literally was trying to kill my plea deal with the government, interfering in my case and trying to kill my plea deal with the government. I mean, it was my my attorney called me and he was just like. We were this close to losing your plea deal. I mean, he had to like tell her that no, we don't know. We know nothing about that. It, it's just, at this point, it's just. I feel like we are at a masquerade ball, and people are wearing costumes, but it's all the same. It's all the same lizard people underneath. Like as I, I had said, but after you get off the show tonight, I have some more media I was going to go through, and one of the things is you know this again a unified front that you see forming between party leadership, McConnell, Schumer types. They're all saying the same thing, for, and and these are people who are supposed to be diametrically opposed on the on the political sphere, and here they are. Here they are linking arms, and then you just bringing that up, showing that they're really there's there these lines are blurred between government, between media, prosecutors, Republican, Democrat. It is just a uh, it's a circular firing squad. It's incredible. Yeah, but I mean, I you know, my point here is that the uh, here's another example too. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, they they keep this in the news, and it's for any of us who've gotten ensnared in this. And I consider myself somebody who who was ensnared, and the reason why I say that is because I never entered the building on January 6th. I'm one of the few people who's been prosecuted who did not go in the Capitol on January 6th. And I was outside on the steps on the east side, not the west side where people were breaking windows, but the other side um, for eight minutes. And um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the I mean, it was just insane. There's another J6er named De- uh, Derek Evans. He's gotten to be a, a good friend of mine. Uh, his situation's kind of similar to mine, but he did go inside the building, and um, they did end up actually charging him. He pled guilty to a felony uh, plea deal, which was horrible. But um, anyway, a couple of weeks ago, the media came out with a story, and it said the headline was something like, many J6ers expressed remorse in court, and now they're singing a different tune. And it was like this whole story about how people, you know, basically were apologetic and remorseful in the courtroom, but now they're speaking out, and now they don't seem as remorseful. And, yeah. and, and this story went, I mean, it, it went, everyone republished it. It was, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say it was republished hundreds of times on Yahoo, on uh, 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 you know, Huffington Post, on, you know, everybody republished it, and it went on for days and days. And Derek and I, I, we were caught, we were just like laughing and laughing. We were just like, how sorry are you supposed to be for your misdemeanor? Like, I have a class B misdemeanor for disorderly conduct, and it's been almost two and a half years since the, you know, I stood outside the Capitol for eight minutes. Like, what do you want? They want your spirit, what? they want your spirit shattered. They want people's spirits shattered. Well, they're not getting it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not giving that to them. No, that's, no, that, and that's good. And I know that you know you've been fighting uh, 
very, very hard on that front, Britt, coming on back with the walkaway. And I want to talk about your app in, in just a minute. I mean, like I said last last night, I was um, there was that one guy on the stream that you were in that, that Twitter space. A lot of people were listening. Uh, who he was just. You can see that the, the, the goalposts continue to be moved. He was even demeaning Julie Kelly's work by almost scoffing at her for having only covered one case, insinuating that people are just digging into January 6th, two years later, that, that just need to let it go. They're becoming obsessed or something like that. Um, and, and I think that the, the dismissive phase that we're moving into right now is even more infuriating than just the gaslighting phase and the lying about certain types of footage and and just creating the narrative now of course they're all becoming they're they're being being exposed and now they want to get into the dismissive oh let it go jfk was 60 years ago shit that we hear all the time now and this is only two years and it's and it's highly uh consequential stuff because look at the way that we're living they launched a domestic war on terror with this shit and um so uh, yeah, talk a little bit about uh, how you you deal with people who just uh, who are now might diminish the importance of this of these newer findings and and the validation of everything you said was the truth about going uh, what happened over there that day. Well, I love I, I love that there's anybody on the left who would try to pretend like we're the ones who have kept this going. Like we're the ones who are are, are desperate to keep talking about this and keep this relevant and keep it in the news. The reason. Why people like Julie Kelly or anybody else has to continue to talk about this is because people are still turning in their neighbors, their coworkers, their former friends, their family members. In my my case, I I got turned into the FBI by a family member. That's still happening all of the time. Uh, people are still being rounded up. The FBI is bragging on Twitter about how they've you know all millions of dollars in new. Um, budget has been allocated to them so that they can go out and round up thousands more people they plan to arrest and prosecute or so they continue to brag about. Um, and the left-wing media won't stop talking about it, won't leave it alone. I just told you a couple weeks ago, they're so desperate to keep it in the news that they're literally making up stories, uh, including me and other people saying that we're not remorseful enough uh, for our class B misdemeanors from two and a half years ago. Uh, and for the record, you know, uh, let's talk about my class B misdemeanor for a second. When have you ever heard of on my single class B misdemeanor for disorderly conduct? I spent two and a half days in jail, three months on house arrest with an ankle monitor around my ankle, unable to leave my home. I'm on federal probation for three years, 60 hours of community service, a $5,000 fine. $500 restitution uh, payment to be paid to the Capitol, although I didn't even get near the damn building or go inside it, uh, and court-ordered mental health services. And that's not enough. Uh, that's, not, that's not punishment. I've also been permanently banned from PayPal, Venmo, Stripe, Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, Constant Contact, MailChimp, uh, Antidote, payment processors, donor portals. Uh, two weeks ago, the place where I get my hair cut told me I'm permanently banned from the salon, any of their locations. Because the last time I went in there, I had a conversation with a stylist, told them I had been arrested in conjunction with January 6th, and I'm not allowed to get my hair cut there anymore. This is my classmate. Two and a half, like, like this, it's, it, it, it's, it's the ushering in of social credit scores for any of us who have been through this. Yeah. 
And today it's me, today it's the J6ers, but very soon it's going to be anybody who is deemed an extremist or a, you know, a, 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 a dangerous person. And the definition of what that means is going to get smaller and so, or, or bigger and bigger, perhaps. You know, pretty soon it's not going to be long before anyone who votes for Donald Trump or anyone who supports a certain agenda is considered a right-wing extremist. And then all of these things are going to start happening to everybody. They've already normalized this with the J6ers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, there are, there are a couple, as far as silver linings goes for the last 24 hours, I want to talk about this. Uh, well, I'll just throw this out there. Then I want to talk about walk away. Um, I saw from the Epoch Times, here is the headline. Growing number of J6 defendants ask judge to delay trials in light of newly released footage. So I, I'm hoping that maybe this is some sort of a uh, a, a shift in 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 what people are able to have on their side in in a discovery phase or or to to go into a court setting with because obviously they have uh, they they've had this held back from them but on you your end because that's all behind you now and you're just getting on with life now how has this changed how has this changed your approach to walk away because I know that it is uh, you're working harder than ever now. And I, I'd like to know how it changed the nature of your work. I have to imagine you're more determined than ever, too. I am. Uh, if you don't mind, and I, trust me, I'm I, I'm dying to talk about walkaway, but there's something else I want to tell you. Go right ahead. Yeah, before we move on, because you kind of made the comment like this is behind me. It's really not, actually. Um, first of all, I, I still am on federal probation for another year and nine months. But in addition to that, um, I'm one of the few people who is being civilly sued by Capitol Police officers. And uh, let me please tell you about that. Please. So there, there is a, uh, a nonprofit law firm in Washington, D.C. called the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. This is a Soros-funded nonprofit law firm in Washington, D.C. They have a long history of basically engaging in lawfare against conservatives. And after January 6th, what they did was went out and found uh, eight Capitol Police officers who are black and brown people, and then sued about three dozen people, including myself, uh, because you know I guess they probably thought that I was someone that they'd love to be able to go through my phone, my computer, try to get as much discovery and information as possible, and also try to harm walk away myself and you know further damage my finances my 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 name my reputation but they sued me and three dozen other people under the kkk act alleging a civil rights conspiracy and racial bias assault against these black and brown police officers and essentially what they're alleging is that these officers were harmed on january 6th and that they had to endure racial bias that they were um called the n-word by these white supremacists and stuff now they weren't even on the same side of the building as i was on and their alleged injuries occurred before i even arrived on capitol grounds on the other side of the building nonetheless in the complaint to the court they alleged that i violently breached barricades to get on capitol grounds and proceeded to assault police officers including the plaintiffs well, I was never even accused by the FBI or the DOJ of violently breaching anything or assaulting anybody or encouraging anybody to uh, assault anybody. Nonetheless, 
they won on the counts one in the uh, they won the motion to dismiss so i am now on the hook to go to trial on counts of aiding and abetting assault and aiding and abetting battery of eight capitol police officers who i've never met or seen in my entire life and so i'm still going through this it, it is um for you to bring this up obviously from a personal standpoint is shocking uh, enough as it is brandon because you're right i was very wrong in saying it was behind you um uh, but, but we we don't hear about the civil suit aspect of what's going on right now. So for you to describe this just as uh, as as a tool that they are using, uh, uh, let alone how they have been able to use this to make the KKK now an official participant in January sixth, which is absolutely ridiculous. That this is I, I, I'm I'm shocked. I did not even hear yeah. about this. Yeah. Well, and it, it's. It's like anything goes in Washington, D.C. That's the thing. You know, should this make it to trial, you know, because I there's a couple opportunities I have to try to get rid of this. I mean, we can uh, try to settle with them so I could try I could essentially pay these officers that I've never met uh, to try to make this go away, uh, depending on how much money they wanted. I don't know. Um, or we can try to get the case. We've already lost our motion to dismiss on those two counts. So um, we can now try to get it dismissed again in summary judgment. But I'd have to go through discovery first. I mean, we're talking about at least $100,000 to get through discovery in these cases. Um, and incredibly invasive. And at that point, then we have the opportunity to go back to the judge and say, okay, we've gone through discovery they've deposed me, I've deposed them, we've gone through each other's documents, whatever, and what we discovered, lo and behold, is that I was nowhere near these people on January 6th, and I, there's, it would be impossible for me to have caused these people to get injured. And then hopefully at that point, the judge would do the right thing and dismiss the case. But um, it's gonna be an incredibly, incredibly expensive thing that I have to go, go through on top of already what I've gone through with my criminal case, and I was deposed by the January Sixth Committee. I mean, it's it's insanity. It's probably they probably knew that with you having gone through the the couple of days in jail, your house arrest is is gone. You're now about a year or so into your probation, and but you're you're generally able to get on with life at that point. This is a way to hamstring you again, especially a person of your media stature. Um, yeah. it, it has to be, especially as you say, it's very easy to, 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 uh, locate yourself on the campus and, and, and separate yourself from, uh, racially motivated gang activity. This is, it's, it, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, then I, I, I wanted to ask you, um, about restitution. I mean, what, what, or retribution, anything. I mean, what, what do you see happening next when the, the, we're not even out of the swamp of, for somebody like you, you, you're still up to your knees in, uh, in tar over here. Uh, but what about making things right? There's so many levels to the criminality, so many levels of the tyranny that is being, that is being laid like sediment on top of all of us. Um, what would be a, a good day in the sunshine after all of this that you think? Is it is it people being held accountable? There's too many that I can even count for that that thing. So what is it? I don't I don't think that any such day will ever come. I mean, I, the most I believe I can hope for at this point uh, would be a presidential pardon. <clears throat> um, should we get a president in office? 
that would be willing to pardon people um, who went through this. Um, other than that, I, I don't think that there's much that can be done. I mean, people can look at this and say, yeah, but you or whomever didn't do the things you were accused of doing. And excuse me, you know, this was all uh, 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 you people getting railroaded and whatever. But the fact of the matter is people pled guilty. I mean, you know, you, the majority of people, they're, they're coming at you and they're saying, you know, we're charging you with three, four, five felony charges, a slew of misdemeanors. You know, you're facing um, so some people are facing life in prison. I mean, that's not a joke. Like there there are people who have so many felony, felony charges that they're up against um, that are going to trial. Everyone's getting found guilty in D.C. The D.T. D.C. Judge, judges, D.C. juries are finding everybody guilty and um, on all charges for the most part. So somebody who's facing five, six, seven felonies, each felony carries five, you know, 10 years and they're 50 years old, 60 years old, do yeah. the math. It's, it's over. It's Your life. life is done. It's done. And yeah. And um, so, uh, you know, I, for me, I pled guilty. Um, I, you know, I already signed the plea deal. It's done. The majority of people are, are taking plea deals and signing that. And once you plead guilty, you can't really later on go back and be like, you know, I'm going to sue the government for hurting me because it's like, well, yeah, but you, you're guilty. You pled guilty. You're, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's done. They, 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 they got, they got you. That, that's just what it is. It doesn't sound like justice to me. It sounds like arm twisting and it sounds like a game and, uh, and they have all the leverage. Now I, I know you said you didn't have that much time tonight. You've already given me much more than you said you could. Please let's talk about, let's talk about this app, this, this new thing that you're doing because I want people to follow you on, on all of the cutting edge uh, fronts that you're, you're now working on. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> people probably remember that I created Walkaway in uh, May of 2018 that essentially we started out as a Facebook group where I encourage people to join the group, make testimonials, do videos talking about why they're walking away. Um, and then also for you know lifelong conservatives and Republicans to also join the group. And I, I've encouraged them, we call them hashtag walk with. Um, these people, I, I wanted to also make testimonials, videos to reclaim the, the truth and the narrative about what it means to be a Republican that's been kind of hijacked by the liberal media. And um, we grew to over 510,000 people within a couple of years. We had tens of thousands of videos and written testimonials and Facebook banned the group when they annihilated me and, and everybody, all my employees and everyone on our team on in January of 2021. So we kind of had to figure out what the hell are we gonna do? How are we gonna move forward? And um, we just rolled up our sleeves and for the last two years i've been working literally day and night with developers around the world uh building our own platform walkaway social to reignite and relaunch the walkaway movement we just rolled out a couple of days ago the app is available in the apple app store will be available in the google play store i would imagine within a, the next couple of days but probably by the end of the week and people can also sign up on the web on walkawaysocial.com. So it's called uh, hashtag walkawaysocial. Uh, and please get on it. Check it out. You guys are going to love it. Already we have like dozens and dozens of videos of people telling their stories about why they're walking away. And that's just in the last couple of days. So walkaways back. And this time we're, 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 we're self-sufficient. And I think that we're autonomous and um, stronger, smarter, better than ever.
That's wonderful. Walkawaysocial.com. I have it up on the screen right now, but you said it's going to be available on all app stores very soon? Yeah, it's already available in the Apple App Store. So if you're an iOS user, iPad, iPhone, you can get it right now. Um, and if you're an Android user, just give us, I believe by the end of this week, we'll be ready. Um, we're just waiting on Google to officially release. Well, uh, Brandon, as always, a- anything that you ever want to come on the show to talk about and a- as things progress, especially with this, this civil suit now that I didn't even know was happening, just stay in touch, buddy. You know you know where to, where to find us, and thank you for all the time tonight. I know you gave us more than you said you even had, so it's, uh, it's very uh, – are you going to be anywhere as far as media appearances go, anywhere people can look out for you soon? Tomorrow I'll be on Tim Pool. Wonderful. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be in in his uh, studio. Yes. All right. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in D.C. right now, so I'm, I'm near where he is. And uh, look, if anybody out there wants to support, as I'm going through this, I'll just say too, they can go to my website, brandonstrock.com, S-T-R-A-K-A. I mean, anything helps. This is uh, this is like a soul crushing uh, and and finance crushing experience. So if anyone can help as I go through this, it's greatly appreciated. Wonderful. Well, well, I, I, um, I hope that people do and have a good time on Tim pool tomorrow. That should be a good amount of eyes for your situation. And, and, yeah. and let's, let's keep digging my friend. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate it. All right. Be well. Hopefully Tim pool splits all that super chat money with him tomorrow. And, uh, that'll be good. That'll be nice. One night. One night splitting uh, Tim Pool's super chat money. Man, I I didn't even need... I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I guess I'm shocked. The KK... They actually found a way to make the KKK a part of this. I just... It's just incredible. Just incredible. Just not nonstop. Nonstop. So you know that that's the whole thing about retribution. It's seven fifty four. I have a couple of minutes, so I I got some thoughts on this. Um, whether it be retribution or restitution, how are you going to make somebody whole after all this? Well, it does. It, it, there's still yet to be seen what kind of impacts this is going to have on the system, because as I said, party leadership across the board thinks that this is very irresponsible. And um, and backwards of Tucker Carlson to even put these little clips out there with some commentary. Chuck Schumer, as you'll see, called it the most shameful hour in television history. Shameful hour in television history. He hasn't watched a lot of TV. He hasn't watched a lot of TV. But um, as big as January 6th was, as being a coordinated operation... It was a diversion away from accountability that people wanted for what they believe very strongly to be election theft and tampering. And it was that election integrity diversion, which was stuffed inside of a false flag, which was wrapped in a cover-up. Now, you pile that on top of fake science lockdowns and impeachment attempts I mean, we are talking about crimes and cover-ups that could probably fill the Mariana Trench. So I know that when Brandon talks about when Brandon talks about his situation and January sixth at large, what can we expect to happen? And not really expecting much of anything. Yeah, I know. I mean, that one that as its own little mutually exclusive event. 
seems almost impossible to reverse course on as far as the damage that it caused. But when you talk about that as being a diversion slash false flag and then a cover-up on top of it in a media campaign to exaggerate what is a series of minor infractions that needed to be turned in to the Bay of Pigs, then it becomes it becomes a bottomless pit of criminality that goes back decades. Decades, ladies and gentlemen. I started thinking about it, too, uh, and, and I, it might be the, the, the title of tomorrow's show. Everybody talks about the um, that kind of a situation that could ever happen inside of an economy that's in, in great distress where you would need a debt jubilee, where a an economy that's under a great amount of debt and stress where they they find it to be a um a strategic thought hey let's just get rid of all the the forgive debt across the board and just wipe the slate clean and let's start all over again eventually ladies and gentlemen it's either going to be wiped clean by way of a gigantic war a another calamitous event or just the end of the war the second coming of christ something but whatever if there is some kind of a change in direction for us culturally and we really do start making inroads to finding out what really happened with some of the greatest events that that shifted the course of human history at least in our lifetimes and the nearest lifetime before us there's going to be have to be some kind of a war crime jubilee at some point there's only so much you can do there's going to be need a wiping of the slate at some point but there must be a debt paid by some and not and, and, and when I say debt paid by some I'm not talking about some half-assed me too uh, debt that Harvey Weinstein is paying while literally the entire system that he was a part of lives on all right that's a that's bullshit the 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 sweater the wool sweater it needs to be pulled until there's nothing left but after, you know, it, it'll be good to acknowledge who was a part of what and continue to try to understand the past and where we, how we arrived to where we are in the, in the present. It's too much. It's too much. There's, there's going to be, there, there'll be too many, there'll be, there's so many people whose names we'll never know who will get away with it because they were either low level or they were so, uh, they were so hidden by several layers of buffering and compartmentalization and it's just so much depravity and evil and corruption. Eventually one day, if we're ever going to move on as a species, if we actually do get people out and clean people, uh, clean, uh, clean departments out and shrink government and hack it down to one one thousandth of the size... There's going to have to be some kind of a war crime jubilee, and it will be up to us to just educate future generations as to who did what, what groups did what, and why, how it all turned out, what the intentions were, what they wanted to eliminate, the cover-ups, the crimes. It's just going to have to live on through education as a cautionary tale for future generations because I don't know how you actually are able to fight off this infestation. How do you do it? I, I don't think that, that I don't think there's a smoke grenade. I don't think there's a fogger, a roach fogger that is powerful enough. This thing's got to come down to the studs. <laughs> they got to throw out the furniture. 
It's uh, it's it's pretty sick. All right, let's take a really quick break. When we come back, we're gonna take your calls, listen to some more media. It's a single topic show tonight, and I'm sure that there's gonna be more people are gonna be chewing on by 10 p.m. tonight when Tucker is off of uh, off air and he pisses everybody off again. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 Quite so everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? So we're going to go into what you're saying, and then we're going to take your calls and just see what you're thinking. Let's see, y'all. All right. First one up is from Free Dubs. Free Dubs says, hey, Frank, I've been wanting to pick up some goldbacks. Goldbacks for months up until you had Mark Volker on your show two weeks ago which sealed the deal. So I placed an order during the show and they arrived today. They look great, fabulous investment product. Thanks, Frank. I'm happy you like it. I still haven't heard from uh, Tony from Wise Wolf, but I said, hey, Tony, you gotta see if you can carry these goldbacks because that would be great for people at, uh, at, at home to have that option. They call up Tony from Wise Wolf Gold and Silver on the affiliates page and say, I'd like a couple of rounds of silver. And you know what, give me a couple of uh, Five spot gold backs. Just give me a five spot. Not that much more than five dollars. Just great stuff. And um, 
Yeah, I like that. It's e- it's easier way of, of, of buying gold because gold's very expensive. Can't especially if you're buying it by the ounce. Holden says, Frank as a DJ that had just walked in from the club, I must say the music mishap last night in the opening was hysterical. It happens to the best of us, Frank. Keep up the great work. You are one of the few role models the little brother crowd has to look up to, and thank you for that. Wow. Well, I mean, I thank you. That's very, that's very nice of you. Didn't even think about the big brother thing. But that's, uh, if I have, if I have become a de facto big brother to you, please email the show. Did you start watching the show when you were a teenager and now you are in your twenties and let me know. But yeah, the, the, the music mishap from last night, ugh. That has never happened. That has never happened. I hate it. I hate that you killed the whole mood, Frank. I just had to laugh. If that was me 10 years ago, I would have thrown something. But now I just have to laugh. So thank you so much, everybody. Todd Clark says, love your show. Sure hope Tucker has bodyguards. Take care. Yeah, well, at least one guy's willing to do it. And you can say, well, how deep is he going to go with it? So far, I mean, it's good enough to say that everything that that farcical January 6th committee, which was just a fan fiction tribunal, it was a tribunal for fan, for fan fiction. Let's be honest here. It, it, it's good enough just to be able to go through all of their biggest selling points and say wrong, lie, 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 deceptively edited, lie. Good enough for me. Think about all that wasted time. But then again, it was a committee that got funding. It was It was funded. So I'm, I don't know if everybody that was a member of that committee got a little extra in their congressional paycheck. So, um, ugh, what a, what a, oh my God, we pay for it all. We pay for all of that. All right, let's go see what else we have in here. You can send in rumble rants. There's gold pills. We've got a few of those in right now. And then we're going to start into our media and take some calls afterwards. Let's see, Doug, or thank you, Sean Joe. Doug625 says, Frank, can you give a birthday shout out to my beautiful friend and coworker, Gail? She is a faithful, quite frankly, listener. Well, Gail, happy birthday. I'm so happy that you're out there hanging out with Doug, perhaps, and uh, talking about tonight's episode. Yeah, it is a big current events episode tonight. Tomorrow, I want to be able to morph that into something else, perhaps Godfather related. We could talk about parallel economies of justice and this and that we might listen to the entire opening of the godfather with bonacera talking about his daughter getting assaulted and then him being there in the in the in the the courtroom being being made to feel like a fool holding the bag while his daughter's rapists laugh at him after getting a suspended sentence and wondering who the hell's here for us who was here for us we invest so much into this American dream. And then when we when we need the American dream to show up and, and defend us a little bit, it's not it, it's going to somebody else who paid more. They talk about a shifted and a screwed up judicial system. Well, again, that's something a lot of different groups have in common. Captain Flint says, Is this the modern Boston massacre? They want it to be, but not so. Not so. And we'll talk about more of that. Sean Blanche, thank you. Or C. Blanche. 
Space Coast Patriot, thank you. Jesse, 81138. Space Coast says, globalists think if you ignore the people, we will go away. It's not happening. Our numbers are growing. Captain Flint said, I told my wife the same. Fiction, unless period. It's boring compared to real life. Yes, that's right. Unless it's a period fiction, you go back into, I don't know, I guess Game of Thrones. Or anything that goes medieval or early 19th century, 20th century. That's that's where it's at right now. That's why Stranger Things was so good. Uh, the couple episodes, yeah, I mean, it got weird a little bit. First season of Stranger Things is awesome. Just really, really fantastic. Because it was an antidote to all of this other stuff. I, I have a feeling the House of Cards would still be great. Especially the first two seasons. Pfft. First two seasons of House of Cards are awesome. Thank you, Keith. Keith says, Brandon's better than a rock star. By far. Space Coast again says, this J6, uh, the J6 prisoners and American people would have had so much more respect if you had been in jail with our people. The J6 prisoners and American people would have had so much more respect if you had been in jail with our people. Um, uh... And question, how do the January 6th prisoners have a cell phone to record the national anthem? I don't know. Uh, Chai Possum says, God bless you, Brandon. Cookies from Witchy Poo. River Pikes, his family means nothing to the left. How can you betray your own family? Oh, oh, it's very, very easy. It's very easy. And it's getting easier for people. If you're part of the Brave New World book club, if you're part of the book club, the, uh, then you know in the first three chapters, it's it's just... it's And it's all real. That's not even fiction. That was a projection by plans that had, had become... Had, be, had been made aware... Huxley had been made aware of the Fabians, as you know. Little bit, piece by piece, and here we are. Thank you, Ronald. Thank you, Paul. Paul, he says, only life and love to you and your fans. And um, Chai Possum says, we picked up 100 goldbacks from Finest Known. They're beautiful and gives a sense of security in crazy times. Well, I'm happy to hear it. I really am. All right, we're going to get around to your other stuff in a little bit. First, I want to say, I'm already building up our forum full of nice show threads for the warmer months, especially the summer months, whenever we get there. Here's a new thread I put up today. So anybody going to quitefrankly.tv, get into the forum and help me get some things under this listing. This is the show thread called Memories from the County Fair and Summer Carnivals. We are building a summertime nostalgia thread with this one, so shower me with stories and remembrances of summer days and nights at county fairs and carnivals. What weird, possibly dangerous rides do you remember going on or seeing? Memories of strange contests like pie-eating contests or husband-calling contests. Uh, a first date? A fist fight? Any kind of miracles that had happened at the carnival or the county fair? Uh, last summer, before college perhaps, those last summers before everybody, you know, lifelong 
groups of friends are broken up and they go to different parts of the country. Those are always very bittersweet summers that you feel like you're on top of the world, but there's just always a, a nagging melancholy that's there too, and you miss everybody before they're gone. I said, douse me with memories of special foods, music, smells, and people from simpler times. This is going to be a good one for whenever the weather gets a little bit warmer. Maybe in June. So that is, that's stuck to the top of the forum on quitefrankly.tv now. All right. You ready? You ready to journey with me into hell? Come on. Let's journey into hell, shall we? Let's go to hell together. The first one up is Chuck Schumer. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Chuck Schumer. Is this it? Yeah. No. Yes. No, that's not it. Hold on. Which wait, hold on a second. Which one is this one? No. <laughs> hold on. Wait. Copy that. Pay that's not what I'm asking for. I just want to make sure that this one link that I had first is exactly the one that I'm I want to start with because then I'll be out of order. Okay, so the first one is from this guy, Mike Davis. I'm glad I did that. I'm really glad I did that because it just did not work out. It wouldn't have worked out. The Columbia Bugle put this out. And here's Chuck Schumer. They're freaking out big time. Senator Chuck Schumer went down to the Senate floor this morning to condemn Tucker Carlson's January 6th tapes to call for Fox News and Rupert Murdoch to stop Tucker Carlson from releasing another report on the January 6th tapes tonight and to repeat the lie about the death of Officer Brian Sicknick. Here, listen to this. It's six minutes long. We're not going to listen to the whole thing. Maybe about a minute before his cotton mouth becomes too much for me. Last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. I would love a, 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 a banana cream pie to come from stage left and just smash him in the face right now. A banana cream pie. Something that will, it'll just, it'll be a little bit of a bruised ego, but that's all. Big banana cream pie. Smash. Smash. Splat. Splat. With contempt for the facts, disregard of the risks, and knowing full well he was lying lying to his audience. Chuck Schumer is a type that, that drives his car over over the wheel like this. Just based on how he's working at podium right now. Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. It wasn't. By diving deep into the waters of conspiracy <laughs> and cherry-picking from thousands of hours of security footage. Wouldn't it be a conspiracy one way or another? Aren't you saying that, that January 6th is a conspiracy? It was a conspiracy. They are saying that it is a conspiracy. And they're trying to show you how people conspired behind the scenes, out there, riling up the crowd, planning the day's events. They're, they're, that's what they're talking about. Diving into the waters of the conspiracy. Now, facts 
the uncovering of facts, of evidence, of video footage, uh, putting together a, uh, a nice coherent timeline of events, that could actually help develop a little bit more of an overview of the conspiracy and how it unfolded. The issue here is who is in control of the evidence and who is allowed to present the evidence in what way. So, you know, it sucks. It sucks that we don't have any communal agreement on what words mean. That you say we're diving into the waters of conspiracy here. What does that mean? They mean we're diving into uh, the waters of falsehood. As if conspiracy is synonymous with false. It is not. It is not. That's why I say embrace it. If you must use the word, embrace it because there's nothing wrong with it. In, in fact, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a highly accurate way of describing how the world is run, how business is run, and the world just happens to be this vampire's business. Mr. Carlson told the bold-faced lie that the Capitol attack, which we all saw with our own eyes. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Even you could have only been in one room at a time, Chuck, and everybody else, that means you had about a million people that were in the, uh, in the Capitol area that, that day to, to protest. A couple thousand made their way over to the Capitol building. Even the people who were at the Capitol building couldn't see what was going on in every, on all four sides of it. Literally hundreds of millions of people in this country only know what has been chopped up and given to them by the news media. So I, I don't know what he's talking about. Was somehow not an attack at all. Yeah, not an attack at all. Uh, no, it was an attack. It was an attack. We were attacked. We were attacked. It was an act of war. It was one of many act of wars, successive acts of war. The election, election night was an act of war. Um, the, uh, obviously 2020 was pretty much the, 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 the same as a Tet Offensive. It was an act of war. The lockdown to the fake civil rights uprisings and all that stuff, it was all one thing after. So, they, so that, that's where you have it. Now here's Mike Davis who responds to that. Mike Davis is a former chief counsel for nominations, the U.S. Senate Committee on the Judiciary. Um, I, I thought this was an interesting take. He said, let this sink in about Chuck Schumer. Today's Democrats are defending prosecutors' failure to turn over evidence of a defendant's innocence. A prosecutorial failure that is clear and very serious constitutional violation. This is no longer our parents' or grandparents' Democrat Party. These aren't liberals who love America, believe in equality, and fight for due process and justice. These are leftists who hate America, believe in equity, and fight against due process and for the injustice to destroy their political enemies. But let's just uh, let's moderate one thing that Mike Davis said there. Yes, the, the Queen Spider rests inside of the bowels of the Democrat Party, but it is a, uh, it's a bipartisan effort. The bipartisan illusion comes to light there. I mean, here, there's, uh, and here it is for you. Here is uh, Mitch McConnell, an amorphous blob of flesh, just fold upon fold of flesh, 
Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell calls it a mistake for Tucker Carlson and Fox News to release the never-before-seen January 6th footage. It was a mistake, in my view, for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at the Capitol thinks. Here's the official story. The official story never is no special story. This is a salad. With friends like this, who needs enemies? The old saying goes. With friends like this, with his stupid blue and yellow Ukraine tie, still wearing the same fucking tie every day. This 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 water bag. I'm just you would think that how everybody is so divided by politics and ideology more than ever before. You would think that instances like this, that they wouldn't roll out Chuck Schumer and, uh, and, and Mitch McConnell at the same time. You would think that they wouldn't roll them both out. You would think that at this point to see unified front moments between these two actors would be the most effective red pill for anybody else out there joining us at the bottom of the pyramid over here to take a break from fighting each other and realizing, wait, that's odd that they agree. Well, I give, but they'll say, oh, I give Mitch McConnell credit. I give Mitch McConnell credit. At least he's not as crazy as the, oh, wow. Wow. It's just incredible. It really is. There's more on this, though, and, uh, by more on, I mean, there's morons talking about this. Here's a little bit. You, you, you couldn't, you have to take the same message and package it for different audiences. That's what the view is for, as you know. Here's Whoopi Goldberg. Here's Whoopi Goldberg talking about it. Last night, Tucker Carlson took a page from George Orwell's 1984 and told his... <laughs> I know what you're talking about when you say that. Whoever the hell it was that scoffed. <laughs> 1984. I I remember. I read that. Did you? Did you really, Joy? I know it was you. I know it was you, you bitch. So he he took a page out of 1984, ladies and gentlemen, by showing people <laughs> by showing people stuff that was previously hidden to them. His viewers to reject the evidence. Of their eyes and ears. Uh, he gave you evidence to show you that the evidence that was given to our eyes and ears was actually a fraction of what the fuller picture with plenty of confusing context really was. And I say confusing context because the fraction of media that we were given on this tells us about violent insurrection and about uh, you know horned men running up and down the, uh, the, 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 the the hallways looking for people to kill, probably eat alive. And, and instead we're seeing very subdued sightseeing adventures that it, it's all being carried on by police officers who are leading people around, letting people in, taking barriers down. I mean, it's not, he's not telling you, he just believe, don't believe your eyes and ears. He's like, no, 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 no. Please believe your eyes and ears. Here's more of the footage. Here's more of it. 
That's ni- that's 1980. That's dystopian, don't you know? Take a look. The crowd was enormous. A small percentage of them were hooligans. They committed vandalism. You've seen their pictures again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. And you hear all the boozy moms in the... In the uh in the audience chuckling because they're probably reacting to all of the faces that are up on the sc- uh, up on the stage Whoopi and her friends they're probably reacting because it's a, you know th- th- that's what it is like i said it's the same shit that's packaged for different audiences this is for the boozy stay-at-home moms who thinks that when they watch the view in the morning they're hanging with the girls they're hanging with the girls and getting their news fix so that there, there's that. You're always very upset. Here's Ken Burns. I love talking about this guy and his hair pieces. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy, isn't he? Ken Burns, the documentary maker. He compares Tucker Carlson to both uh, the Soviets and the Nazis. This is interesting. Moved enough to write about this bill and what's going on with the whole idea of critical race theory and not teaching the full history of this country. Why? You know... <laughs> What makes him because critical race theory is trash, and it's debilitating. That's why. That's not the full history of the country. You piece of shit. America great is not the suppression of ideas or the pursuit of every corner of those ideas may lead us or the facts. It's it's about who we are and how we investigate who we are and celebrate the diversity of who we are. All of these bills that DeSantis and others are... That's not what being American is about, celebrating the diversity of who we are. It's about, it, it, it's about people just being out, going out and living their lives, not having to take time out of their day to genuflect before all the diversity around them. What a ridiculous, slave-like way of living. That's the beauty of America doing limit our ability to understand who we are and are not inclusive they're exclusive they're they're narrowing the focus of what is and isn't american history it's terrifying it feels like a soviet system or you know the way the nazis would build a potemkin village tucker carlson's doing the same thing with the footage from uh one six it's just uh, a a kind of rewriting of history at the most dangerous level it's, yeah. it's it's huge threat to our republic i'm doing don a film right now working on a major series on the history of the american revolution and i can tell you that thomas jefferson and Thomas Paine and George Washington and John Adams and James Madison and Alexander Hamilton are rolling over in their graves if they think that this person is carrying the mantle of what it is to be American. Okay, right, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure they are. I-, I actually am sure that the founders are rolling over in their graves, Ken. I- I'm sure of it. In-, in fact, I'm sure that Jefferson and Hamilton might actually set their differences aside if they could foresee Ken Burns and his friends rationalize child abuse in drag clubs, child abuse in the form of teaching people these debilitating racial motifs. There's a motif for you. These debilitating outlooks on life as far as to look at everything through the lens of race and oppressors and, and slaves and slave masters. That's, that's, that would be the worst thing 
The Founding Fathers were intellectuals. They are very moral, moral people. They were. They were. They were a lot smarter than Ken Burns. A lot smarter. Okay? So, yeah. Jefferson and Hamilton. Just like I think that uh, 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 Lincoln and Jefferson Davis would have said, you know what, let's... If they had been given a glimpse into 150 years later, uh, Lincoln and Jefferson Davis would have gotten together in like Orlando or something and said, all right, listen, we've got to put an end to this right now and figure out what the fuck to do. Have you seen? Have you seen 2023? What do... No, no, yeah, ceasefire, obviously. What do we do? All right. To, to go back for anybody, especially sitting on a panel on CNN, and hearken back to the founding generation and actually speak through the founders to talk about what they would be appalled by is the most egregious thing I can think of. It's the most disgusting thing I can think of. It's hilarious. It's also disgusting. Oh my gosh, the fights that the founders would have. So many of those fights and debates, they have, they're chronicled in the newspapers of the time, uh, in the constitutional debates and all that stuff. They would have become fast friends if they would be seeing, and it would not be because of Tucker Carlson that everybody would be rolling in their graves. To see the child abuse that is normalized, sex change surgery that these people are talking about, Okay, federal education at all, at all, all right? I'm sure that they would just be in love with the Ukrainian cause as well. So isn't it just amazing and convenient that now the, the, the slave owners that everybody derides every other day of the week, now they're rolling in their graves because uh, the little black and brown children in Florida may not be able to access a copy of Little Timmy Has Four Daddies in the school library and, and and in some states don't want little black and brown American boys and girls to be taught that because they were born with darker skin they are at a disadvantage and that their white classmates have something that is that 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 needs to be equalized and taken away and leveled out to make life more equitable for everybody that the white the white five year olds in the classroom with them they have inherited something that is that is not uh, not supposed to be. Yeah, that that would be that would be universally embraced by the founders. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Meanwhile, it's these freaks. It's this clan of freaks over here on the left who are actually rewriting, literally, Roald Dahl and Ian Fleming. I got this just in case I had the, the, the chance for it tonight, and I do. MSN, USA Today, the thought police come for Roald Dahl and Ian Fleming. Better buy the books you want now. This is from four hours ago. Perhaps nothing better illustrates the silliness of our times than the disturbing trend to rework classic books to make them palatable for modern audiences. That means to make them stupid, because modern audiences are stupid. Applying current mores to the past... And forcing the past to conform to our enlightened ways is patently unwise and smacks of something from George Orwell's 1984 or tactics of the Soviet Union. That is a correct application. And for this to have been published by USA Today and syndicated by MSN is quite, is quite good. At least those first couple of sentences are. 
because that's what's going on here. And and Ken Burns, the hist- the document, the historical documentarian that everybody, oh this this man, he does wonderful work. Yeah, it's very visually striking, well put together shit information. Ken Burns' baseball was fantastic. Um, the only reason I ever watched the Civil War documentary from time to time is to be able to pick up on anecdotes and and uh, nice, wonderful little monologues and asides that he put in there, and of course Shelby Foote. That's why I love watching that. But uh, but Ken Burns, it's incredible because here he is going into the past and forcing the founding generation to conform to our enlightened ways. To say they're rolling over in our graves because what we're doing right now is not what they intended. If they knew the state of the federal government, if they knew the 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 entangled the entanglement between CNN itself and the federal government and the intelligence services, the services try to explain the national security state to even Alexander Hamilton, who was a statist and he would go out of his fucking mind. Go ahead. Tell Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and, uh, and, and John Adams about uh, about the the CIA and the need for the CIA. Go ahead. It's an attempt to control thought, they say. British children's author Roald Dahl and James Bond creator Ian Fleming are the latest targets of the woke publishing world and sensitivity readers have been busy. What do these popular authors think about the makeover of their works? We can't know because both men died decades ago. Dahl wrote... Uh, beloved classics, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, James and the Giant Peach, the fantastic Mr. Fox, among others. His works are known for being somewhat dark, and his eccentric characters are what have drawn generations of children to them. Aurora has um, Matilda. I think it's Matilda. Is it Matilda? No. No, it's not Matilda. No, that's not it. That's the other one. Who the hell's the other one? Lauren, if you're watching, who the hell's the other one that she gets she get she gets she likes every other night or so? I forget. Um fat and ugly are taboo wor- words. No, they're not taboo words. They're um they're very effective descriptors. And they can be used in very insensitive ways. Oh, black. Black is not good either. Not used as a racial connotation. That's something that I did not see about. Other bad words. Stanford's political correctness czars deem American is a bad is a harmful word. American. With a capital A. And guys. G-U-Y-S. Stanford's political correctness czars. Female has been changed to woman. Because a woman could be anything. But not all women are female. Try to try to make that one make sense. A woman could be anybody, but not all women can be female. Gender neutral words are also preferred to offensive ones like men, mother, father, girls, and boys. Brave New World. We get hit with that in, in chapter two and three of Brave New World, how they have reduced the role and the, the title of mother, father, family, the, the specter of family life, that children were actually born of their mothers, 
They were born of woman. And they lived together in households together. That the idea of the, the word mother was actually reduced to the level of smut. That was considered a smut word in this, uh, this future that is depicted by Aldous Huxley. So I say 1984 is pretty important to learn about the manipulation of media, the, the, um, the dragging on of forever wars and geopolitical states of the world and all that. But you, when you want to talk about, about conditioning, mind control, all of that, Brave New World, I'm t- you have a lot of time. Jump on board with the book club. So that's it. That's Ken Burns. He's a soft-spoken monster. And this is just a tip of tens of thousands of hours of footage that was withheld uh, so that a very finite, myopic version of what happened on January 6th could be repeated ad nauseum and a new domestic war on terror could be waged. The, the, uh, Tucker Carlson is like the Nazis and the Soviets combined for revealing information. How do you even get off saying that? If you're on CNN and you know the stupid people are watching, you can do that. Okay? And they funded the, a ridiculous committee whose primary purpose, you would think, would be to comb through this stuff. But no, they omitted it all. Instead, they, they created comic books. You remember that comic book that they created? They brought that weepy woman on and, and they took her testimony and turned it into a comic book for people who were home and they wanted to know what was going on inside of the very important January 6th committee. And it was all based on some some White House staffer's testimony of Donald Trump being very angry in his office that morning. And then he tried to strangle his Secret Service driver. Remember all that? That was turned into a comic book because that's how they actually... That's how. The comic books, cartoons, Harry Potter references, that's how they see the world. But, um, man, oh, man. Oh, boy. Let's take, a, let's take a really quick break. When we come back, it'll be you and I. We're going to open up the lines and talk a little bit more. It's 838. We're almost done. Isn't this nice? Yeah, get it all out of our system. Tomorrow we'll do more. You have best in the glory of the HMI. You have walked in the shadow of greatness. You know why? Because I allowed it to happen on a daily routine. Long limousine, jet airplanes, any woman in the world you wanted. Just like that. You know why? Because of me. Now, my friend, you have made a career decision. You have stepped to the other side of track. And for that, you will answer not only to the nature boy, you will answer to the almighty Reza Ramon. Woo! Too bad, he might look into a 
You know what I found? I found, oh boy, you gotta see this. This is an amazing thing. Um, 8.41, plenty of time. Now you remember what I said about Joe Biden missing his brain? Well, I had a couple of things that were that, that happened. I, I may, I'm gonna do it again tomorrow. Too. I sent it over to Tracy because she, she went nuts. I knew she would. I got an email from the woman who called me back in 2019 about Joe Biden's brain. How most of it is missing. And then I had another friend of the show who's been watching for a long time. Uh, where is this? His name is Josh Finley. I only ever knew him by his by his screen name. But Josh Finley in the audience had went and took a screenshot and captured this for posterity. He saved this call for posterity. This was back in 2019. Now I'm going to play it again tomorrow on the show, but I have to just show it to you. Oh shit. I have to never mind. I have to convert this to an mp4 it's an mov and i can't just slide it into my into my uh thing over here damn that's gonna take a couple seconds well i'll do that anyway it's uh it's all it's all confirmed i have a date on it too it was it was april i think it was april in 2019 i don't know if we have an actual date let's see there we go i'll put that up I'll boost the audio a little bit. I'll export that and see how long that takes. But I got this email. It says, Frank, it was I who told you about Biden's brain. Her name is Margie. And I'll play that in just a I'll read that for you in just a second. The lines are open, 914-595-6953. Listen to this. Okay, this is Margie. Listen, Frank, I've been trying to get a hold of you and tell you what I know about Joe Biden. Okay, go ahead. Remember, this is from 2019. You can see the old the old equipment here. Matt and my buddy Koss are both on the show. So I don't know if this is on a Thursday night or Friday night, Saturday. No, it's not Saturday, but listen. Okay, you know how he can't keep his hands off the kids and women? Yes. 
I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but back in 2013, I was seated at a wedding beside the brain surgeon who took out, as he said, half of Joe Biden's brain. What? Yes. Wait a this second. This doctor was the neurosurgeon at Walter Reed Hospital. Okay, the man was in his 80s when I met him. And back in 1988, Joe Biden had an aneurysm on the floor of the Senate. They took him to Walter Reed, and this surgeon took out one quarter of Joe Biden's brain. Which side, the left or the right? The frontal lobe. The right. The right. Fuck. Right okay. side. Okay, then, then, about nine months later, he suffered another aneurysm. <clears throat> All right? They took him back to Walter Reed, and this same doctor, since he'd done the first surgery, was called in to do the second. He said the aneurysms that Joe Biden suffered were huge. There was so much brain damage that he had to take out another quarter of his brain. So he literally has half a brain. Okay, Dude, so... That was crazy that, that Margie just said that. I literally... I think maybe it was Billy who said it. I heard or read that uh, Joe Biden had an aneurysm and had like his brain part of it removed like two days ago, three days ago, really recently. <laughs> I didn't have firsthand knowledge sitting there at the wedding with his brain surgeon, but that that this right here it transitioned into a call that we got from Mike from Maryland. Yeah, that actually might be a thing. Did you know that it and, would? Did you know that it was half of the brain? I didn't know that. I just I either heard or I read that. He had some kind of brain surgery, and that he was basically disqualified from being vice president because he could be turned into a Manchurian candidate, essentially, like a, oh a real one. So, so then he's like one of those remote control dogs that we've been reading about that the CIA can 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 go and and uh, steer around. I, I think that's kind of where it was going. But yeah, for everyone who thinks Margie is just crazy, you no, know, like that's that information is out there. Okay. Uh, so Margie, that was from April of 2019. So when Joe Biden says they open up his 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 uh, skull twice to see if he had a brain in there, he did at one point. <laughs> he did have at, at one point. Here's an email I got from Margie, who's still out there. Said Frank, my writing student was the niece of the neurosurgeon surgeon who operated on Joe Biden when he was a young senator. He had his first aneurysm in the late 80s on the floor of the Senate. He was rushed to Walter Reed Hospital where almost one almost one lobe of his brain was removed because of the damage. About two years later, the same thing happened again to the other lobe. Walter Reed called in the same surgeon to operate again. This wonderful old gentleman was seated, seated next to my uh, next to my right at my student's wedding. In 2013, we had a political discussion about Obama, which led to this doctor saying, imagine how I feel. I worry that if anything happens to Obama, the man to take his place, I know, has half a brain. <laughs> well, a bit more than half, I know, because I took out the rest. I'm quoting him. I'll never forget what he said, Margie said. I was cracking up when you spoke about it today on Dark to Light. And decided to remind you who told you. It's really true. Hugs, Margie. That's from April 2009. So between Margie and Josh Finley for actually having this clip, actually having kept this since 2019, I said, what other clips do you have? He says, actually, nothing. Just this one. 
I felt like I might need it sometime. Wow. I mean, thank God for people out there who are taking, I, I mean, I remember the call. Obviously, because I referenced it on Monday on the morning show. But thank God for people out there who take the initiative and 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 clip things for you know funny things, funny moments, poignant moments, things that you you say you know that's interesting. Let's keep that on the back burner. See if anything comes of it. Thank God, thank God. So uh, maybe we'll we'll present this again tomorrow in the in the first half, just for those who might not be around here again. But I had to follow up on this. And I, and Tracy is going to have a field day with the email I got and with this clip. With this clip tomorrow. So if you haven't settled in to watch any of the morning shows, I would say go to the Uncovered DC Rumble and be on the lookout for the 8.30 a.m. broadcast tomorrow. It's going to be good. It's. I think it'll be good. So... Hats off to everybody. Let's take some calls. 914-595-6953. Hey, what's going on, King? Hello. Hey. Hey, what's happening? How you been? I've been pretty good. Hey, I'll be really quick about this because it's a little off topic. Is that okay, though? That's, That's fine. Go ahead. It'll be really quick. It's actually going back to my question to Jada. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, the problem with his advice there, with, like, proportioning it, <laughs> right? So, and the optical illusion there, that don't really help me, Frankie, because, you know, the broads are still going to go, ow, 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 ow. You know what I mean? I know. It's it's a problem, but at, at least at least you can, you can, the optical illusion will get them to sign on before they regret it. Well, I was hoping maybe he had, like, weight reduction there for that, or maybe, I don't know, do I go in for reduction surgery? What do I do? That's lipo. kind of what I was getting at. Maybe lipo. Do you look into some lipo? Oh, hey, that's a thought, right? Yeah. Because, like, if it's overweight, there could be, like, um, what do you call it? Fat cells, cellulite type. That, oh, that's that's a thought right there. Yes. I would that's, look. That's that's kind of a thought. I would look at that, and if that doesn't work, I would just say just start doing a lot more work on the treadmill and see if it if, if it goes, if it, if the. <laughs> If the reduction in weight is across the board. I don't mean to go off topic, but I don't want everybody getting all doomy, gloomy sometimes. Try to take people's minds off that, you know, not that my problem is funny because it's not funny because, you know, broads tend to get a little scared there and, you know what I mean? I'm talking about. You threw a perfectly timed wrench into the gears tonight. We needed this. Thank you, King. You're welcome, brother. All right, man. Well, I hope everything else is well. All right, good night. Say again? I hope everything else is well. Yeah, for the most part. All right, good. What are you going to do? Nah, I, I, I asked the same question. What are you going to do? And we'll talk. Hey, tomorrow, be on the lookout. There might be some Godfather uh, themes in tomorrow's show I think you might like. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah, you know, if we could work a little, uh, not we, you, and this is this is just requests, you know, I just throw requests out there every once in a while. Uh, they don't have to be adhered to or nothing like that, but um, I know you got a lot of uh, Southern fans and stuff like that. Maybe throw a little um, Black Oak Arkansas, Jim Dandy, 
in the mix every once in a while. Oh, and R.I.P. Gary Rossington, last surviving original member of Skinhead, passed away Sunday. You know, uh, over the years, you have come down pretty hard on Southerners, but I think that you are almost ready, King, to really just go all in on that Deep South living. I think that you would get along very, very well with them all. I think so, too. They really have endeared themselves to me over the years. And uh, I've, I've come to have a very big affection for them people. I know. I, I know that you like the simplicity of the life. I know that you, like, you love the music. I think that uh, you love eating. I mean, they, they got plenty of great food. I, I think that you would do That's very well. True. I think you'd do very well. I think so, too. So any Southerners down there that want to adopt me, I'm putting myself up for adoption. Contact Frankie, email Frankie, and we can get the process started. Yes, if you have an extra room, uh, it, it just and you want <laughs> if you want to adopt a man, I'll even live out in a tool shed. I don't give a fuck. Do you have a tool shed for my friend King? Please get in touch with me. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the call, right, man. Brother. Take care. Yes, sir. There you go. See? If anybody has an extra tool shed uh, and you want to do, I mean, it, it might be good. It might be a good. I mean, it's a definitely added security if you have King living in the backyard. All right. What else do we have here? Let's take a call. Abraham SoCal. What's going on, Abraham? Not much. Just call him to see how you're doing. And to say uh, thanks for such a great show. Oh, did you like tonight's show? I did. I got caught bits and pieces of it, but I'll have to like, definitely rewatch the rest of it in podcast land. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Well, it's it's great to have you in. So, so what is that? Just what you want to do? Do you want to stop by, say hello, or do you have something else on mind? I got a quick question for you. Do you yeah. like spicy food? I do like spicy food. Yes. Okay. How spicy is spicy? If you were to go to like a Thai restaurant and they said oh, that's between I don't like, one and ten, where I, would you be? I don't like Thai. <laughs> okay. I I don't like Thai food, but you, but as far as but I don't know if you're talking, I like I can eat those. No, um, what do they call them? I, I don't know how many th those red chili peppers. I I put I can put a number of those in in uh, a tuna salad at any time. I, I I can handle pepper pretty well. I mean, there's some peppers that are when you the farther up you go up the Scoville scale, there's just some peppers. I don't know why you even try. Um, so, but but I I'm fine with spicy food. Okay, good. Well, I got a gift that's gonna be going in the mail to you uh, here probably in the next week or so. So, just wanted to know how how spicy you like food. You know, the, I think it's called Thai peppers. Uh, there's yeah, those red Thai peppers. Thai chilies. Yeah, those are red Thai chilies. Yeah, they're Thai chilies. Sometimes I'll go and I'll grab a handful of those if I'm if I'm walking through a Whole Foods or something like that. If it's not because I because out of all the things that I I have a hard time growing in pots at my house, the one thing that Lauren and I uh, grow in abundance of are red chili peppers. But when it's off season and they're not, it's too cold and they're not, they're not blooming, I'll go grab a handful of those those Thai peppers and I'll uh, I'll chop those up, throw them into all types of things. Uh, they got a good kick. Oh, yeah, those Thai peppers definitely do have a good kick. I like using those myself as well. Okay. The one I do like to use is 
Carolina Reaper. I think it's up there like number two or number three uh, hottest pepper in the world. That's what I hear. But They're... those, I use those in extremely small amounts. Like if I'm doing like a big, huge pot of chili, I might cut a quarter inch off the bottom of one of those peppers for the entire thing of chili. Well, okay. So, well, I, that, I, that's very interesting. Interesting stuff. So, why, why did you ask? Are you are you about to send me um, chili peppers in the mail or something? No, uh, beef jerky. Beef jerky. Okay. Well, I, I I don't know, man. You know, I I really love getting uh, things from people, but it's it, it's a it's a tall order to have uh, dehydrated meat or any kind of a any kind of a. a I, I don't. It, it's a hard thing to have food show up in the mail and uh, and, and to not think that I'm about to be poisoned. You know, no, Frank. I would never. I would never dream in my life of ever poisoning you. Oh, okay. Well, I then, love your show too much to do that. Okay. Well, then if I if if, if if some random jerky shows up sometime soon, I'll remember you said that, and I'll just start. Throwing it down. Oh yeah, no, I'll I'll leave a letter and there a little explanation telling you who I am and whatnot. So. All right. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for that, Abraham. It's great to hear from you again. All right. Yeah. Good to hear from you as well. You have right. a good rest of your evening. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was a nice, lighthearted call. That was a light, nice, lighthearted call. Uh, the Scoville scale, for those of you who don't know, it is a way of measuring the hotness. The heat. Here, I found a good one. So now the red Thai pepper. Oh, there you go. There's Thai peppers right there. It is 50,000 to about 100,000. And then you get the orange habanero, which are usually sitting right next to the Thai peppers in a Whole Foods or something like that. Um, but, you know, soon the all of the, the local farms are going to be producing their own peppers and stuff, and I'll be able to get those for a reduced rate. The habanero, the red savina, there's the ghost pepper, and there's the Carolina Reaper up at the top. 2.2 million on the Scoville scale. Like, what do you even do with that? Do you distill it like you would make, you know, with uh, homeopathy, when you drop a little bit of an essence of something into a six-gallon jug of water, and then you... You, you you go and you really make the, you, I don't know, you throw the jug around and then you take a drop from that and you put it into another six-gallon jug. You just dilute to the point where all that is left is the energy, the essence, the vibration of what was once the oil of something else. How do you use the Carolina Reaper pepper? Has anybody in this audience ever cooked with the Carolina Reaper pepper and how much do you use like how did you use it obviously it has to be sp sparingly w what does that do to your bowels so you can get in touch with me with that it's 859 and I don't know what else to tell you now I opened up the calls and thankfully nothing came in about the Capitol to hell with it all we did it We'll see what Tucker Carlson puts out tonight and tomorrow we're gonna have a little bit more of a open-ended question about about Justice, the parallel economy of justice, and I won't be taught. Not it won't be vigilantism, because that's one person, or maybe a small group. I'm talking about how do you supplement 
justice in a country wherein there has been a psychological and ideological schism and only one side and that is the intruders have taken over what was designed to be an objective application of law and has thrown us into subjective hell that's what I would like to know. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Among other things, email the show if you have anything else that you want to add to tonight's uh, back and forth. Thank you again to Brandon uh, Straka for being on. Strock. Strock for being on. His link is in the description, I believe, of this episode. And I'll see you. I'll see you at 7 o'clock. Boy. Oh, wait, you know what? Let me make sure I make sure, uh, that I did not leave anything out on the Super Chat end of things. Stostube, thank you so much for the tip. Alaska Matt says, hey, Frank, when listening to Dark to Light yesterday in Carrie Lake, they had bribed her to sit out for two years. I took that as evidence that there will be no 2024 election due to some engineered disaster. I'm probably 60-40 that 2024 will be disrupted. Curious your thoughts. I told you. I told you prior to 2020 that, oh, no, 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 prior to 2022, right? 2020, the writing was on the wall it's from, from April and May. They started talking about how we need to actually drastically change the way we vote because this virus is going around and we can't let people stand online one day in November, eight months later. But by 2022, no doubt about it. I, I said, it's only going to be a matter of time. I don't know how many election cycles are left, but you can't go on like this. There's already too many people who smell a rat. There's less and less momentum going in the favor of those who are rigging the elections, which means that there's going to be less and less of a, 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 an era of believability in the results. For example, 2024, if they actually do push Biden to run again, there's no way in hell he comes any. You can't justify him coming close to 81 million votes. They, they at least, if you're going to just draw something up and give him votes, you can't go 81. You can't give him a raise in votes. Donald Trump upped his popularity by at least 11 million people. Joe Biden was given the number 81 million and has since ruined people's lives. I mean, it's objectively bringing everybody down a few pegs. He is losing it across the board. He would never garner that, even if he got it 81 million organically in the first place. So there, that's, that's a factor that has to be considered. There's no way he's matching 81. They can't do it. It's all about how do you make this farce believable? And there's less and less of that to the point where more and more people check out and they just start doing more uh, protesting and uh, January 6th setup jobs work less and less at keeping people in their house. They're just going to have to turn off the lights eventually. They're going to have to turn off the lights. They're going to have to say that the biggest, the biggest pipe imaginable burst, the biggest water line ever had burst. Every sewer in the country was overflowing. I don't know what they're going to have to do, but it's only a matter of time because there's there's no way to actually reverse and untie the knot that we're in. There's no way. Todd Clark says, love your show. I sure hope Tucker has bodyguards. That was from before. Thank you all so much. Um, 
And uh, let me see if there's anything over here waiting for me. We have one over here on Rumble. That's KX2. Madeline. Madeline, Frank. Yes. Madeline. It, it, it wasn't Matilda. I actually brought up Matilda with, with Lauren in conversation last night or this morning. But it's Madeline that, um, that Aurora likes from, from time to time. I would say a couple times a week she has Madeline. And I, I rather like that, that story, too. I do. Thank you, Curious Patriots. Is Frank, you are the bomb schwiggity, paw diggity. Wow. Thank you. A lot from Witchy Poo, a lot from Chai Possum here. Captain Flint says Jefferson would be pissed that he was on a fiat note at all. Yeah. Yeah. Although nobody, very few people use his, his note. Um, J-Bell, so I thought about this call when I had seen the recent clip of Biden saying his head's been opened up many times. Homegoy says I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a... Uh, than a frontal lobotomy. <laughs> and uh, and thank you so much. AXO PAX. Now we're going to have some programming slated for you at the other end of this show because we missed out on Movie Monday last night. Sorry about that. We got tonight. Tomorrow is our Rabbit Hole Wednesdays. Enjoy all that. I'll see you on 7 o'clock, the 7 o'clock hour tomorrow night. It'll be a good one, as always, I hope. Email me in the meantime. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Stostube, Alaska Matt, Todd Clark, Free Dubs, and Holden. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you to everybody who is watching on Rumble, on YouTube. Make sure you hit the like button before you leave. Thank you to all my friends on Theta and Foxhole over there on QuiteFrankly.tv, Twitch, DLive, Rockfin. Tomorrow's another day. Thank you so much for tonight.